0: One of the running themes of this show down the years has been the fragility of Arsenal. How flaky they were, how they'd make weird decisions in the transfer market, how they'd snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But now they're making smart signing after smart signing, they've won all five of their league games and they're playing thrilling football. Basically, they've ruined our fun. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. just as it seems I can't be mean about Arsenal anymore, nor can my vice-captain Mark O'Hare. Mark, I know there are certain figures in the media who think Arsenal shouldn't be celebrating just yet, but let's be honest, there's a lot to like about the Gunners at the
1: moment. Yes, there is, Um, and I think this weekend is going to be quite revealing, really, because it's probably their first proper test of the season, and that's not saying a huge amount, because Man United have obviously had their own issues, but the fact that arsenal go into this with a 100% record they've started so strongly have made a couple of mistakes defensively, which have almost cost them in matches. Uh, Fulham and Aston Villa in the last two at the Emirates, but they were miles better than Fulham for the most part and also against Aston Villa too. So, um, you know, small blotches really on what's otherwise been a, a very impressive start. I know they weren't didn't put in a 90-minute performance against Palace on the opening day, but I think you can allow that for for teams on their opening match of this campaign. So, yeah, I mean, the only issues really for Arsenal right now coming into the weekend is potential injuries. Um, Odegaard went off against Villa. Um, Arteta reckons he's going to be okay for the weekend. We know Partey is is definitely out. Zinchenko is a doubt. Um, and we know that Ramsdale is also a doubt after picking up a bit of a knock in midweek too. So it's one of those, I think I want to check the team news before I get involved and really sort of invest my faith in Arsenal. But the market has already got them well on side. Their favourites at Old Trafford, which is quite surprising, I felt. And They got the rest advantage um, playing on Wednesday, United having to play on Thursday night as well. So, yeah, the market rates Arsenal as a better team. Um, But, um, yeah, I'm not sure whether I'm willing yet to trust them going away to Man United and getting something. This is typically where Arsenal tend to to fall down in previous years, uh, when the hype is high and they go to big teams with big expectations. Their record against the top six isn't very flattering under Arteta home and away, 15 defeats from 29. If you look at just away games, it's four wins, two draws and eight defeats. They did win away at Chelsea in the last two campaigns. They did win at Old Trafford back in 2020-21, but they did lose 3-2 last season when they went went there with a reasonable amount of optimism, but they could get something. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of reserving judgment a little bit on terms of... uh, where I see them going into this weekend um, I expect it to be quite a fun game quite an open game I know Arsenal have been a lot more secure with the centre-halves so they've got there now but as I say Partey missing is a is a big loss uh, I don't think any of their replacements are good enough to play that role as well as he does and uh, if Zenchenko is missing too that's a blow too so yeah I mean I, I haven't really got a major opinion on this match it's more of a, a sort of sit back and see because of Man United themselves evolving. um, I think this is going to be a good barometer to see how they are progressing under Ten Hag. Convincingly beat Liverpool, far less convincing against Southampton, I felt. This game comes just three days after playing away at Leicester too. So um, is there going to be some rotation? Possibly will be for the Leicester game, we don't know. So um, at right now, um, I'd rather sort of sit back and see. Coming into the weekend, I was looking at Arsenal plus a quarter, but those injuries are, are enough to sort of put me off any selection right now. The
0: dashing doctor of data will see you now. Jake thought from InfoGold with us once again. Jake, a timer recording. We don't know how Manchester United got on against Leicester on Thursday night. But what we do know is they've signed Anthony. He hopes to be involved in this one. Obviously ruled out of the Leicester game because he's still waiting for a work permit. But just talking more generally, what will he bring to United? And how do you see uh, this Manchester United-Arsenal clash panning out?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a good sign. It's a sign that they've needed for a while. Someone that can play on the right hand side. Um, uh, I, you know, we 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 all agree. I think you've said it more often than than us that Sancho is the best operating off the left. Yeah. And ultimately, he hasn't really been given that opportunity since he joined Manchester United. That's been a slot for for Marcus Rashford. But what it does give um, bringing Anthony in is more balance. It means that they can play Sancho on the left, which is obviously his preferred position. They've got an out and out right winger there. Who's not as, you know, he's as tricky, as skillful as Sancho, but probably not as good with his close control. He's maybe a little bit more explosive. Um, but it does also give them another option to be a bit more fluid in forward areas. And, you know, it, they needed an extra body, in my opinion, in those forward areas anyway. I know they've got a Langer who's been playing quite well. Um, you've got Martial, but he's unreliable in terms of fitness. Um, and Rashford, I personally think his best position is probably down the middle. Um, in that, in 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 a what would be a very fluid, uh, fast back to front kind of team. So uh, I think it opens up a lot of options for Manchester United and Ten Hag, and it means a, a bit more difficult to sort of predict on a game to game basis. This weekend, I, I I was already planning on opposing Arsenal, um, and after hearing what Mark's had to say, particularly around the, the players that could be missing or potentially missing, uh only strengthened my view. Really, a couple of reasons for that. I know they've been, they've been excellent so far. They've really been untested, to be fair. The, the schedule's been very kind. Um, and away from home last season uh, was my only real gripe with them. That's the reason they missed out on the top four was because they were so poor on the road. Uh, at home, they've been sensational for, you know, going on 23, 24 games now under Mikel Arteta. Uh, but last season, they were... Um, they were the ninth best away team based on expected goal difference, sixth best on expected points, average 1.22 expected goals for 1.6 expected goals against per game. So really not very good travellers. Um, I know that they're, they're a different team this time around, that they are progressing, they are improving, but if if what Mark's saying is correct and they're missing party, they're missing Zinchenko, they're missing, effectively, if Ramsdale's out, they're missing three of their you know better players um, and, and it definitely does weaken them. The other thing to factor in is I know that they've gone away at Crystal Palace and won, they've gone away at Bournemouth and won, but for a team that's chasing the top four, you kind of expect them to win those games. Um, I, you know, I was impressed with the, the the way in which they played against Bournemouth and, and the control in which they showed. They're a bit ragged against Crystal Palace uh, after taking a one goal lead, managing to hang on. Um, and you know, the, those two games in particular, I don't think we can tell take much from them heading into this match. Uh, what we can say is that they didn't really create as many good chances as what perhaps we would have expected. Just 1.49 xG against Palace, 1.69 against Bournemouth. Um, you know, so maybe a little bit of, uh, of room to work there. And, and their away form last season against the big six was um, shocking. Uh, I think fair to say Arteta got out coached. Probably well in in four of the six, uh, four of the five. Sorry. Um, I think Michael Carrick did a number on him when, when he was Manchester United manager uh, back at Christmas time, yeah. Um in that 3 2 win. But yeah, it four four defeats and one victory. Um 5-0, 3-0, 4-0 and 3-2 with the defeats. So they weren't even close in, in three of the matches. And um and yeah, if, if if those players are missing, then I definitely would not be looking at Arsenal. Um and I think Manchester United were a plus naught on the Asian handicap, so draw no bet around 2.07 that looked like a really a really good um bet for me and i think the other you know i i respect arteta but i think ten hag's a better coach than him and i think in a game on a head to head basis in a one off game i think i think ten hag would be able to plan a game plan better than arteta to beat him um in which case that's another big plus in the in the manchester united corner as is Casemiro will probably be coming in for this. Um, He'll have adapted a little bit. He's had a week or two. And that, again, only strengthens my opinion that Manchester United will be a very tough beat for Arsenal. So, um, I'm not backing United to win. I think this could easily end up in a draw and I think Arsenal will probably take a draw. Um, But just siding with with Man United at the prices, I think it, it makes sense.
0: I love that we started this show by saying we can't be negative about Arsenal anymore. Of course we we can. We somehow managed it. Uh, Trader, tipster and suave raconteur Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Emmett, this is the big challenge for Arsenal, isn't it? For all of the reasons the guys have outlined, it's making that... I have no problem with them celebrating what they've done so far because I think they've made a brilliant start to the season. And if we can't celebrate wins, what are we all doing here in the first place? But, I guess the real test is this type of game. Go to Old Trafford, go to Anfield, go to the Etihad,
3: all of that stuff. Absolutely, I think uh, yeah. J- J- Jake's kind of outlined on the statistics there of why this is kind of Manchester kind of likely, probably finish fifth, 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 probably sixth or seventh this season. But it's still a kind of a massive kind of psychological hurdle for Arsenal to climb. And I'd, I'd really agree with Jake. I don't think the market's fully factored in the improvements we should see from United. I I again, this is an obvious point, but like, the gap, the gap in level between Casemiro and Frederick McTomley McTominay is huge. Like so you're getting a massive upgrade there. You're getting and uh, 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 Anthony coming in for Anthony Alanga, massive, up, massive up upgrade there. I would say Alanga will be a very good player in a couple of years, but at the moment he's a young emerging player. Whereas Anthony is is kind of in and around the Brazil squad with their loaded forward line. So I think. Huge upgrades in the United side, and then as as Mark was outlining, Arsenal's injury issues coming into, into this game were fairly concerning. Odegaard's probably been their best player this season, so if he's absent, I think Smith Rowe may come in, and Smith Rowe's a good player, but I don't think. I'd say, you'd have to say it, it's, it's it's at least a small, a small downgrade there last season without with, with when Thomas Partey was playing for Arsenal in the Premier League last season they were averaging two points a game so kind of really solid kind of Champions League form and without him was close they're kind to of 1.4 points a game so you're moving into kind of mid-table 8th or 9th ni- form territory and I think that's that's not necessarily because is a good player but it's also because the drop-off from him to La Conga yeah, last season was huge La Conga didn't Play last didn't play badly last night, but again I'd be in a kind of a in in a kind of a tougher test, tougher environment away at Old Trafford. There have to be question marks there. So for for all those factors, I think there's there's probably a bit of juice in the Man United price, and I'd expect them to be favourites on the draw to bet market going into the weekend. Where they're where they're currently odds against.
0: Now, it's worth bearing in mind you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder on Manchester United against Arsenal. T's and C's in the description, 18plus, see gambleaware.org. Guys, if we are going to put together a bet builder to help the listeners out, where would we start? Jake, what would you be throwing in there then? Um, Casemiro to be
2: carded. I think if he if he starts, I can see... Manchester United dominating territory in the ball and Arsenal trying to counter-attack. And I, I could see him maybe just pulling someone down. Classic
0: Casemiro style. But he won't get sent off. He'll get the first card yeah. and then he'll charm the referee and he won't get that second one. Yeah, He becomes uh, invisible after the first card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mark, what would you throw in?
1: Uh, Jake's gone down the card's route, which is probably where I would have gone. Um, he knew that as his... well. He knew that you had violence on your mind and he did it Yeah, anyway. always do. <laughs> um Paul Tierney's a referee, so that's always quite encouraging for cards-based backers. He's not afraid to to hand out some punishment when it's required. Um, he's Chuck another card in
0: then, that's okay. It's not just Casemiro will right. we'll get be booked, surely.
1: Yeah, well, United have earned eight cards in, the, in three games under Tierney since the start of last season, which is quite, quite a strong return. And Arsenal have drawn 11 cards already this season from their opponents. So um, I was thinking of Diego Dallo, um, He's already been booked twice this season. He's one of those feisty operators yeah. who gets up and down the flanks and if things do kick off, he'll be in amongst it and not happy. he's quite happy to, to play the Dark Arts too. So, um, yeah, I quite like him. He's a, he's a big price.
0: He's yappy, Dallow. He's one of those, isn't he? He'll just put in some naughty challenge like hang a leg there or just flatten a winger. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, by the way. Uh, Emmett, what would you wrap us up with? We've got a couple of moments of
3: violence. Anything more? Yeah, I was, tempted, I was tempted to go for Alessandro Martinez for the for the kind of trifecta. Yes, but I'll, 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 <laughs> let's I'll, do I'll, it. No, it's no, fine. Okay, it's yeah, yeah, just just I think it's it's a really hard match from matchup up for him up against Jesus. and he's one of these players who's kind of he's all the card is always live. He'll happily play in a kind of a rat tackle or kind of needless opponent so i could see Jesus who's a bit of emotional an emotional player as well i could see them it it'd be kind of quite a fight a feisty clash there so and uh, I, I think martinez would it, the one i'd pick out
0: I love it. So there you go, folks. Three players to be shown a card in Manchester United-Arsenal. And as long as those players are on the pitch, you're still alive in that bet builder. So all good. Uh, Elsewhere, Brighton face Leicester, who've made a pretty modest start to the campaign. We don't know how the Foxes did against Manchester United, but we do have a full picture of Brighton. And Mark, they look as well run and as well coached as ever.
1: Yeah, um, a very strong start. I know that was ended by Fulham in mid- midweek and they were probably well beaten in that game but um, you know, they hopped the ball for the most part and were done on the counter-attack and that was a very rare away defeat but uh, back at the Amex now and um, whilst they beat Leeds there last week they weren't they gave away opportunities. It was a bit more helter-skelter than the one nil suggested. And that's not normally Brighton's way. Uh, dominated large parts of it, created a decent XG figure, but they did concede to as well. So, yeah, it was pretty wild in that sense. And um, I have a feeling the meeting against Leicester could follow sort of a similar route, really, because we know what Leicester are like. Um, they're more open and expansive than most teams in the Premier League because they just can't defend. And if you look at the matches against Brighton last season, they ended 2-1 and 1-1. And, um, Leicester obviously know their attacking firepower is a match for most teams in the division defensively. We all know about the frailties. I know they're looking to do some business on deadline day and, and improve. There's a Belgian defender from Rams who's been strongly linked and I think they're looking elsewhere on the continent too. But uh, at the minute, obviously those deals aren't over the line as we're talking and Fofana's gone. So um, concerns for Leicester but what Leicester tend to do is just tend to score on the road. It's a remarkable record that they've got away from home in the Premier League. They scored 19 of their 21 away Premier League games Going back to the start of last season, but just kept one clean sheet along the way too. So, 18 of those 21 games featured both teams scoring, which is quite an outrageous record for a team away from home. Um, so, regardless of all their, their sort of issues, um, off the field issues, on the field issues, uh, Brendan Rodgers being under pressure, they have they to me have shown a penchant to get forward and cause teams problems. They did it at Stamford Bridge. I know they gave Chelsea a, a head start there and even played against 10 men. Uh, they did it away at Arsenal at the Emirates and scored twice and probably could have scored more. So yeah, I'm more than happy to back Leicester to score at the Amex. We know what Brighton's home record is, right? It's like Jake will tell you, they absolutely dominate the XG numbers, but ultimately come up short and it's, it's bizarre how they just can't continue to sort of put those points on the board when dominating matches at home. So um, they're odds on here. That always makes me a little bit nervous in the current state. As much as I like Brighton, as much as sort of uh, sort of blow smoke up their behinds because of I'm um, so impressed by them as a, as a working business and moving in the right direction and know exactly what they're doing. Um, Long term suggests that it's hard to trust Brighton at odds on. So no official bet for me, but um, I wouldn't be too surprised if Leicester contributed to, to quite an enjoyable game. Jake, in terms of Brighton, we
0: know that they make tons of chances and don't put them away. Obviously, you would say that in a more scientific and clever way. Um, but that pattern doesn't seem to have changed yet. And they've got Denis Sundav, who's quite an interesting player. He got lots of goals for Union saint gilloise in, in Belgium last season. But there's no guarantee he'll get lots of goals.
2: Yeah, it, as, as Mark said, the the, the home record is... Interesting to say the least. So, um, I thought we'd play a bit of trivia if you're all up for that. Go on then. Yeah. So, they've had 40 home games under Graham Potter. How many have they won? Ooh. It's like eight or something. Ten. Well Twelve. <laughs>
0: Twelve.
2: Ten is oh. the correct answer. Well done, Mark. Now, in those 40 games,
0: <laughs> how many. If anyone was going to get that right, it was him.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How many of those 40 games have Brighton won the XG battle? 32.
3: Twenty-eight. Yeah, thirties, but the difference.
2: O'Hare's done you again. Twenty-eight. Bang on the nose. So Brighton have actually won the XG battle in twenty-eight
0: of. Sorry, 40 can 100. we just dwell on how insane that is? That out of forty, he got that spot on, and he got the ten completely right. <laughs> I as think well. you saw my tweet from last <laughs> week. Can't just and I kind added of brush on. that off as if that's perfectly normal. <laughs>
1: jake put it out on twitter last oh, week oh i so. see
0: but you retained it like some kind of droid you
1: were able to retain <laughs> it. I, I know the win record i know the win record i knew the xg was something stupid like that as well so yeah it kind of ran, yeah rang true it's, it's utterly bizarre
2: the um the kind of dominance that they've actually showcased at the amex without getting the results that uh that they've deserved and and you know there's a lot of a lot goes down to that but what I would say is if they continue to perform in the same manner, then you would expect performances to change and, and, and be better. The, the main issue they've had, and we spoke about this quite a lot, is is actually the quality of finishing. Um, so we, we can do a little bit more of a data deep dive. Across those 40 games at home under Gray and Potter, they've racked up 67.4 expected
0: goals, scored just 42 times. So they've underscored by around 25 goals. That's extraordinary, isn't it? What, one of the things that I found interesting, I was, I was digging into some of the goal figures as well, and I expected to find that basically we could blame Neil Mopay for the whole thing. <laughs> and actually, his XG was bang on his goals. I think he scored eight and his XG was pretty much 8.2. So it's across the whole team, isn't it, that they're missing chances?
3: Absolutely,
2: yeah. They they As a team, they are a team in general who share the goals around and the chances around because they're so fluid in the formation and um, and ultimately that leads to players who perhaps haven't got the same finishing ability getting on the end of good chances. So that, that 67.4 XG is pre-shot, so that's based on where the actual shot was taken, all the different factors, how many defenders between the ball, was it a volley, was it a header? We can look at post-shot XG, which takes into account where the ball was directed at the goal, did it have any dip, did it have any swerve, how much power was on the ball, etc.? Um, and then it starts to become a bit understandable as to why they've had such an underperformance based on the pre-shot XG, because the post-shot XG is actually 41.3. So they've effectively turned their pre-shot XG with chances equating to 67 expected goals into a post-shot XG, which equates to 41.3, which highlights really bad finishing ability across the board. So. That just sort of hammers home the fact that they need to sign a clinical finisher, or they need someone to step up and become the guy who will take chances um, and and place the ball in, you know, the running through one on one find the corner rather than hitting it more or less in the middle of the goal. So
0: just to underline what you've said then, basically, say you've got a striker that the ball drops them 10 yards out. That You would calculate that and, and say there's no defenders, it's just them and the keeper. You calculate that as a really good chance. But if they then screw the damn thing miles over the bar, then that figure drops to what you're talking about effectively. Yeah, well, th- that's
2: one of the things. If if the shot doesn't happen to be on target, then the pre sh- the post-shot... I expect a goal will be zero because it only takes into account the on-target shots right okay so that highlights that the the bad finishing Right. they're missing the target with the shots when they get through on goal which we've seen quite a lot of or when they get through into good positions they're not being as accurate with the finishes um as as perhaps other teams so an, an example of a, of a team and a player who is extremely clinical will be harry kane so he consistently overperforms his pre-shot XG. So if his pre-shot XG was maybe 15, he might score 20, 21 goals. That might look like a disconnect. But when you look at his post-shot XG, which takes into account the actual placement on his finishing, the power on his shots, um, then you start to sort of see that gap bridged a little bit more. So this pre-sh- his post-shot XG actually mirrors his actual goals, which highlights that he's a very good finisher. And it means that when he gets into good scoring chances, he puts the ball in a position in the goal that makes it more difficult for the goalkeeper to save than the average player would. Um, and that's something that Brighton don't do. And, and you know, we've seen that in the two home games against Newcastle and, and Leeds so far this season. I mean, Solly March running through one-on-one against Leeds. He's hit the ball straight to the goalkeeper. If he puts that either side, the he's, A, he scores, and B, yeah. the post-shot XG increases because he's hit a corner of the net. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing that I think is really interesting that this factors in is both the pre-shot and the post-shot XG factors in the strength of, of foot. So a player like Solly March, if the ball's on his left foot, um, it's his preferred foot. The, post-shot, the pre-shot XG is actually going to be higher than if it was on his right foot. And again, that just adds an extra level to the players like Hume Min Son, who are so good with both feet that they can elevate themselves on this, at this point pre- and post-show XG model because they are so good and so clinical with both feet. Um, but yeah, obviously Brighton can't go and sign Hume on. That is not going to happen. It's not in their A budget and as B charming their, their As charming as Graham
0: Potter is. I think that would yeah, be a tough stretch.
2: It, it, it definitely would be. Uh, but that is something that they need to sort. And, um, you know, Welbeck's doing a fine job at the moment. I think he, he's getting on the end of chances. He's scoring at a, a rate that we would expect. Um he gives you a lot of
0: different stuff though, doesn't he really? He's not he does. pure goal scorer.
2: He does um, and, and the the influence of Pascal Gross into getting into those more advanced areas, I don't think that's uh, I think that's by design I don't think that's by chance. I think Potter's identified him as being a really gifted technical player hence he's on all the set pieces etc who when he's in a goal scoring position will probably have a better chance of scoring or will put the ball in a better position in the goal to have a better chance of it going in than majority of the squad. So, I don't think it's a surprise that he's finding himself in those more advanced positions. Um, but yeah, if that's something that they can sort, then this Brighton team are, are, are for real because through five games this season, their expected goal difference per game is at 0.8. So plus 0.8, that, that's basically the, the measure of how dominant they are on a game to game basis. So, they, they're basically 0.8 expected goals better than their opponents on average through the first five matches. Uh, Leicester, on the other hand, we're obviously recording this before, they play Manchester United. They they look um, a real mess, defensively in particular, they've shipped over one, 1. 8, 8, one, nearly 1. 1.9 expected goals against per game since the start of last season, away from home that's even higher. Um, seven clean sheets in 42 since the start of last season. They've conceded two or more goals in 23 of those 42 matches, which is 55%. Um, so, yeah, if Brighton can find their shooting boots, they're going to get the chances. That, that, that's without a shadow of a doubt. They will create the chances against this leaky Leicester backline. It's just whether they can take them. Uh, and I, I'm more than happy at the price to trust them um, and back Brighton to win at 1.95.
0: What I loved about that is that when you were reading out those figures, Emmett shook his head like an angry teacher. Uh, he looked genuinely quite annoyed about that. Um, Emmett, regardless of what Leicester have done against United, whether they might have got some stirring win. Who knows? But it still feels like a club that's suffering from inertia because, you know, the owners simply don't have the same level of funds that they had. There are obviously very good reasons for that. They've spent a lot on the Seagrave training facility. So that's a good thing. They've, They've concentrated on infrastructure, you know, improving the stadium, all of that stuff. But you've got key, some key players who've moved on, some key players that wanted to go and haven't been able to go. So it's kind of a weird situation for Brendan Rodgers, and he's won the FA Cup, won the Community Shield, finished fifth in back-to-back seasons. What more can he really do with this club?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm in in total agreement there, and just from. Some of the press conferences noises he was making towards the end of last season, he was nearly doing kind of a come and get me plea to Newcastle. I think he's desperate. He's desperately this season. He knows the longer he stays there, more more, like, more than likely, it's it's just going to reflect badly on him. Well, it might have cost him the Manchester
0: United job,
3: mightn't it? The way they slumped last season. T- 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 timing's everything with these things for, for 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 a lot of managers, especially when you're managing kind of smaller clubs. As I kind of mentioned on previous podcasts, their uh, uh, Leicester's recruitment was just. Was, was on, on point so often, but they potentially have missed with the signings of Sumare and Pats and Daka. Neither have really made a big impact. And kind of for the kind of now player 50 or 60 million, if either of those two had hit, it would mitigate some of the issues they're having now. With, for example, Wilfred Ndidi looking a shadow of the player who was once, I think, probably close to Ngolo Kante as the best holding midfielder in the Premier League. Like they're as as Jake has, Jake has documented their defensive issues, and they're and now for Fan is leaving. Like you are leaving, like Sionchu, Amarte and an aging Johnny Evans. Like for a season that has like relegation material written all over it. And as as, as kind of been has been mentioned, like at least under Brendan Rogers, the one thing you could say about all his teams is they're potent in attack. But this season, this season, I don't know they've only played played a game less. They they're, they're the second worst expected goals for in the Premier League. Like that's. Like if, if, if I think they'll 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 likely improve on that, but that's that's incredibly worrying. And the only life they've really shown this season against against the Chelsea team down to ten men, and all the other matches they've been totally dominated. And like while. Brighton have had issues in front of goal. We know. I think, like, if, if I can say one thing with certainty this weekend is Brighton will win this game. on XG they will dominate the chances. And like, if they were a bit shorter, I'd probably be, I'd probably a bit more reluctant. But I think at one point nine five, I think that's, I, I, I think that's that's definitely worth the bet. Like, remember, it's worth mentioning. In that 0-0 draw, Brighton Hell against Newcastle in the season. Brighton held close to 2xG, Newcastle at 0.2. If you've watched Newcastle, this season, that was with like Bruno Guimaraes playing for Newcastle. Newcastle are a legitimate top 6, top 17 this season. And for Brighton to dominate them like that, I think sh- that shows you the level Brighton, Brighton are at. Brighton are far superior team to Leicester. And if we get any bit of finishing luck, I think that, uh, that 1.9 price is more than fair.
0: Well, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular Bet Builder? Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Always nice to dip our collective toe into the continental water. And Mark, you have two games you want to concentrate on in
1: France. Deux <laughs> well, League One's been the, the top scoring major league in Europe so far this season. 3.47 goals per game on average. Uh, I know many people will say, well, PSG's thrashings have boosted that number, but it's actually been league-wide, really. Um, 67% of games have gone over 2.5 and, and 76% have seen both teams have score so far. So really strong figures league-wide. Um, and I don't think that's been completely factored into the early market prices. So there's still a bit of opportunity to kind of get goals on side in games where you feel there might be plenty of entertainment. I know red cards have contributed significantly in France so far this season, but um, there's a couple of options this weekend. I really like the focus on on the Rams versus Lons game on Sunday afternoon. Rams coached by Oscar Garcia, often labelled as one of the dullest teams in French football but um, traditionally that would be true but they're actually quite more, a lot more competitive and, and more attractive actually under, under Garcia since the start of last season. They play a bit more fluently. Uh, they have or are losing their centre-half to, to Leicester as I said earlier. Um, not had the best po- start points-wise. Uh, they have had a difficult start with Strasbourg and Marseille away. Lyon at home uh, did beat Angers uh, away away from home midweek uh, quite impressive attacking performance too so a tricky schedule but they've managed to score in all five games their non-penalty xg is, is pretty decent for considering the the standard of opponents as well but both teams of score has also copped in all five matches too so without their best centre half a home record which is quite uninspiring actually just five home wins since the start of last season but they have scored in 15 of 21 home games and kept just six clean sheets so you're looking at a fifty-seven percent win record for both teams to score since the start of last season at home, where they've scored in thirteen of sixteen when hosting teams outside of the top three. So I fancy them to score and they're playing a lawns team who are going brilliantly um great guns really despite key play, player sales through the summer uh, frank has continues to do a, a wonderful job playing in a style and swagger which is just tremendous to watch really um, already this season they've had a 3-2 or 4-1 a 2-1 and a 5-2 in midweek there was a nil-nil chucked in there as well away at ajaxio but many teams are going to go to corsica and play out pretty drab goalless games because uh, that's just defenses where they focus on the newly promoted team so don't read too much into that, read much more into the 5-2. Uh, Alonso scored in 15 of 21 away since the start of last season kept just three clean sheets in that spell 67% away games have seen both teams scoring as well so expect them to do some damage here um, they're rightful favourites but I think both teams to score is a really decent bet at 1.8. Yes, go on? please do cool. You have uh, a wrapped audience, play-a. carry on Overs in uh, Montpellier against Lille uh, on Sunday. Uh, Montpellier. Continue to just put out some really eye-catching performances. Absolutely smashed up Brest last weekend. Won 7-0 away, their biggest ever league 1 win. Followed up with a 2-0 win at home to Ajaxio on, on Wednesday. Both were out there. Playmaker Teji Savenier, who was suspended. But it's their new players who are making a real impact. Uh, Mauwassa on the left has been exceptional. Kazri uh, slotted in seamlessly. He's a good a player, TH isn't he, Wabi Kazri? Sunderland fans will remember him. He, he's fun, isn't he? Still. <laughs> He is. He had a terrible spell in the Premier League. But um, yeah, in terms of what he's done for Saint-Étienne since he's come back into the league, earned that move to Montpellier since they got relegated. Yeah, he's he's terrific. When he's on it, he's really, really good. And they uh, he's supplementing a, a teenage forward, uh, Eli Wally, um, I think is the way to pronounce his name. He's earning rave reviews. This Montpellier team are quite young, uh, have plenty of pace, trickery um, going forward, and they're scoring goals for fun. They've scored twice or more in four of their five games. Just defensively, you can't trust them. Uh, Reminds me a little bit of Leicester last season, really. Just uh, decent going forward, but a car crash defensively. Uh, They're playing a Lille team. Lost 2-1 at home to Nice midweek. Took the lead, conceded two penalties. Couldn't get an equaliser despite having 18 attempts. And Paulo Fonseca, the coach there, doesn't seem to be finding the right blend of his team just yet. But going forward, they do have players of of potential, really. Uh, Jonathan David's been utilised a bit more from wide positions this season. Are you amazed he hasn't gone yet?
0: I, th- I thought somebody would have snapped yeah. him up
1: by now. I am, yeah. He's he's probably one of the last Lille players to still be there of, of real uh, potential. He can ma- make a massive impact with one of the bigger teams across Europe. You, you talk about teams... And potential uh, suitors you know Leicester would be would be suitable Uh, I know they've got a glut of players in similar positions but that kind of bracket of club just outside the big six in in the Premier League and kind of just sort of verging down to mid-table I think he could do a really good job for for many of those teams I'm not sure if he's been priced out or not but We'll see his talents in, in the World Cup with Canada he's a he's a really decent player when he's on on show started centre forward actually midweek uh, Mohamed Bio, their big money signing um, from Claremont um, quite a dominant presence up presence up front hasn't uh, Hasn't fitted in perfectly just yet. But Jonathan Bamber's still there too. So Lille have been generating 1.53 non-penalty XG so far through five rounds on average. And that's despite one of those games being against PSG. So they've got enough going forward to suggest that they can sort of add to the goal tally here. They've seen both teams scoring in all five. They've seen overs in four or five. Now, both these two teams have played PSG already. So take those games out of the equation. They've played eight collective games in Ligue 1. We've seen 31 goals across those eight games, which is 3.88 per game. They've each scored in every game, recorded just two clean sheets between them. Six have seen over two and a half goals. We're getting 1.8 on over 2.5, which I don't think will be there by Sunday. Well,
0: that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other excellent podcasts in the Betfair network, including Cricket Only Better and Racing Only Better. We've got lots of good preview content on football and other sports on our website, betting.betfair.com. From Jake, from Mark, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now.